President Zelensky visits Britain. Thank you very much. Today we spoke about the jets. Very important topic for us because we can't control the sky, you know it. Plus, investigating and prosecuting war crimes. Last year, the United States, European Union and United Kingdom created the advisory group to support Kyiv's effort to document, preserve and analyze evidence of war crimes and other atrocities committed in Ukraine. And later in the program, a look at how Russian money might be used to rebuild Ukraine. Today is Monday, May 15th. From the Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Good evening, I'm Steve Karish. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has been busy traveling throughout Europe the past few days. Monday saw him in the UK seeking military aid. AP correspondent Charles Della Desma has the story. Zelensky is in Britain as the staunch ally of Ukraine prepares to give more military aid in an effort to change the course of the war with Russia. It is the fourth European country Zelensky has visited in the past few days. He made an unannounced visit to Paris on Sunday evening to meet President Emmanuel Macron after earlier trips to Germany and Italy, meeting those countries' leaders as well as Pope Francis. A message posted on Monday on Zelensky's official Telegram channel says he would meet my friend Rishi for talks. Sunak's office confirmed the two leaders would meet at Chequers, the Prime Minister's country retreat outside London. Charles Duladesma, London. As we've heard, Zelensky was in Britain on Monday for meetings with British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. He said he hopes to create a JETS coalition after Britain promised to supply long-range attack drones. Thank you very much. Today we spoke about the JETS, very important topic for us. Because we can't control the sky, you know it. So I think you know everything deeply. Because we're real partners, you really knows all the details what's going on on our battlefield. Thank you very much. And uh, we want to create this uh, jets coalition, and I'm very positive with it. We spoke about it, and I see that in the closest time you will hear some. I think very important decisions, but we have. We have to work a little bit more on it. Zelensky met the prime minister at the British leader's country residence, where the pair discussed Ukraine's request for Western fighter jets. Zelensky's short visit came following stops in Rome, Berlin and Paris during a European tour aimed at securing new weapons for a Ukrainian counteroffensive against Russia. Britain said it would begin basic training of Ukrainian pilots this summer, hand-in-hand with UK efforts to work with other countries on providing F-16 jets. Here's Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Yes, look, we we are going to be a key part of the coalition of countries that provides that support to Vladimir and Ukraine. Now, it is not a straightforward thing, as Vladimir and I have been discussing, to make build up that fighter combat aircraft capability. It's not just the provision of planes, it's also the training of pilots and all the logistics that go alongside that. Now, the UK can play a big part of that. One thing we will be doing, starting actually relatively soon, is uh, training of Ukrainian pilots. And that's something that we've discussed today. We're ready to implement those plans uh, in, in relatively short order. 
border, which will mean that we're training Ukrainian uh, citizens to become absolutely combat-ready aircraft pilots, uh, and particularly whether it comes to NATO tactics as well, because that's an important part of the long-term relationship between our countries. So we've had very good productive discussions on that today. Other countries are involved. I'm talking to those leaders. I'll be doing more of that this week in my international engagement, and we're very keen to build that coalition of countries to give Vladimir and his people the aircraft support that they need. When Vladimir was last here some months ago, I talked then about the provision of long-range weapons because of the capability that they would offer. Uh, I'm pleased we're the first country to be able to do that, and I'm pleased that they will make a difference to the defence of Ukraine. And we will keep providing support, as you've Thank seen you. today, with long-range offensive drones, for example, uh, more anti-aircraft, uh, and there will be further support to come. And that's what we've been talking about today. But I think it's important for the Kremlin to also know that we're not going away. Right. We are here for the long term. We remain steadfast in wanting to defend Ukraine, not just now to reclaim its rightful territory, but also to ensure that Ukraine has the means to defend itself into the future as well. Sunak said Britain would provide Ukraine with hundreds of air defense missiles and further unmanned aerial systems, including new long-range attack drones, with a range of more than 200 kilometers to be delivered over the coming months. However, Sunak's spokesman also said Britain had no plans to send fighter jets. The Kremlin on Monday said Russia takes an extremely negative view of Britain's decision to help supply Ukraine with more military hardware, but does not believe London's help will change the course of the conflict. Speaking at the Copenhagen Democracy Summit via video link, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said on Monday that he expects allies to agree on a multi-year program to help Ukraine advance towards NATO military standards at a July summit in Vilnius. Uh, I, I also expect that we will agree a multi-year program for Ukraine where we will work on how to um, um, help Ukraine to transition from Soviet-era standards, uh, doctrines, equipment to NATO standard uh, doctrines uh, and equipment and to, be, and, and to become fully interoperable uh, with NATO. And of course, uh, to do that um, also helps them to move towards NATO uh, membership. Uh, and then, um, and then uh, I also strongly believe that all allies will uh, uh, state that, of course, the most urgent task now uh, is to ensure that uh, Ukraine prevails, that President Putin do not, does not win this war. Because it's only if Ukraine prevails as a sovereign independent nation in Europe that, they, uh, that there's any meaning in discussing uh, when and how Ukraine can become a, a member of the alliance. He added that this would help Ukraine move towards NATO membership. During President Zelensky's visit to Berlin on Sunday, Olaf Scholz, the German chancellor, welcomed the Ukrainian president just a day after announcing the nearly $3 billion arms package in support of Kyiv's battle against Russia. Meanwhile, Russian forces continue attacking mostly civilian targets in Ukraine. VOA's Arash Arabasadi has more. A warehouse engulfed in flames after Russian bombs rained down overnight Saturday in the Ukrainian city of Chernobyl. The attack came on the evening of the popular Eurovision Song Contest in the home city of Ukraine's contestants in this year's show. Ukraine had widely received public support to host the competition, but due to the war, the show took place in Britain. The attack underscores Ukraine's plight for additional and advanced weapons capabilities, a call answered over the weekend by Germany. 
Sunday in Berlin, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz welcomed Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky with military honors in Zelensky's first visit since the start of the war. The meeting follows Germany's announcement Saturday of a new package of military aid nearly matching all previous aid to date. The German government pledged nearly $3 billion of new support, including anti-aircraft systems, ammunition, and its sought-after Leopard tanks. At a joint news conference in Berlin, Schultz said Germany would support Ukraine as long as necessary. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz speaking as carried by German Pool and provided by the Associated Press. Wir sehen all die schrecklichen Berichte und deswegen ist klar. Those responsible for this terrible war of aggression must be held accountable. No state in the world may invade another country. No one may murder, plunder or kidnap children. That is why we are working together with our partners so that Russia is held accountable. But it was Russian President Vladimir Putin spinning an alternate reality earlier this week at his country's Victory Day celebration commemorating the defeat of Nazi Germany. Putin railed against Western globalist elites whom he said were dividing society, provoking bloody conflicts and coups, and destroying the traditional family values that make people human. And yet, just days later, it was Putin's forces destroying family dwellings in another attack on civilian targets of private homes and apartment blocks. Back in Berlin, Scholz and Zelensky flew from the German Chancellery on their way to Aachen, where Zelensky received the prestigious Charlemagne Prize honoring service for European unification. Arash Arabasadi, VOA News. Rome, Berlin, Paris, and London. Zelensky is visiting all of Europe's top tourist destinations, but for him it's no vacation. Anna Chernikova in Kiev gives us a review of Zelensky's travels. His visit to Italy uh, was uh, according again to what he said uh, uh, in his um, official statement on his official page. He mentioned that it was quite successful in terms of defense um, talks. And also we know that uh, he, uh, President Zelensky, um, had a meeting, uh, quite a long meeting with uh, with the Pope. Uh, and uh, after that, we have confirmation of the visit to Germany, meeting with um, Olaf Scholz and with uh, also with the president of Germany, uh, according again to, to to what we've heard from the press conference, uh, it was quite quite a successful uh, negotiation between uh, the between the sides, and particularly President Zelensky mentioned that uh, he believes in this Jets coalition, and he said that uh, not only. In terms of Germany, but in general, uh, after his so-called Europe visit, and also we know that uh, he received uh, an award uh, in in Germany for the unity of Europe. In France, uh, similarly, President Zelensky said that it was quite a successful visit. Uh, it was not a long one, but again, uh, as uh, as President mentioned, uh, all these visits are quite quick, but uh, but uh, resultive. Uh, and today, uh, President Zelensky is in Great Britain meeting with Prime Minister as well, as, uh, and again uh, mentioning jets as as um, one of one of the main priorities. We've also been hearing a lot about Ukrainian progress in Bakhmut. Can you tell us the situation there? 
Uh, yes, uh, we've discussed this for a couple of days uh, previously uh, as some official information was coming in. And um, we know already that Ukrainians had certain success in the area around Bakhmut. Uh, today, uh, we've received additional confirmation from uh, from the head of the land uh, force of Ukraine, Mr. Sirsky, and he he shared update updates on on the situation uh, and um, he called this success in the area as the first uh, successful uh, step in in as he called it Ukrainian assault actions for the battle for Bakhmut. Now on the subject of Bakhmut Anna there is a report in the Washington Post today that's getting a lot of attention here in the states this morning that uh Yevgeny Prigozhin offered to give the Ukrainians intelligence on the location of Russian soldiers in exchange for their withdrawal from Bakhmut, essentially to let the Wagner group, let Prigozhin win the battle at Bakhmut in exchange for damaging intelligence against the regular Russian army. Has there been any reaction to that in Kiev? Uh, yeah, this is quite um, quite. Uh, quite a story, um, but um, and we have official reaction here in Kiev. What we have for now is that a representative of the Ukrainian intelligence, Mr. Yusuf, uh, said that Ukraine uh, will definitely uh, use different mechanisms and different ways to to deoccupy Ukrainian territory and if needed to negotiate in order to succeed. And uh, in terms of in terms of the information that was uh, reported by by the Washington Post, he said that um, this is not something that uh, we should comment on. So basically, we don't have any particular confirmation of that or any particular, um, let's say, uh, comment which would uh, prove or disprove uh, what Washington Post have reported on. Final question for you today, Anna, and uh, I hope it's a happier subject. Um, I guess you could say one of the advantages now in Kyiv, the city is flooded with journalists from all over the world. Uh, I've seen a news story about how beautiful the city is because the lilacs are in bloom. And I'm wondering if you could describe it for us. What's it like there now? Even though uh, war has been going on, it's a beautiful springtime. Yeah, actually, May is, uh, according, it's my opinion, but my personal opinion, but I think that May is the best um, period for Kyiv, in Kyiv. And uh, not only lilacs are, are blooming, but also chestnut trees, and uh, you have all these smells around, and it's really, really beautiful. Uh, in terms of uh, lilac blooming, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a lot of these trees uh, around the city. And uh, they're bright, they are colorful, and uh, of course, the smell is amazing. So basically, you walk through the streets and you feel, uh, you, you really feel the smell, especially when it's windy. And currently, it's very warm and windy, so you have heat that... Um, that uh, you know intensifies the smell and then you have the wind that spreads the smell across the town uh, across the city and it's really really nice sounds just lovely anna chernikova in kiev anna as always thank you for your time today thank you steve <laughs> Thank you.
You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Steve Karish. Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine more than a year ago, the Office of Prosecutor General of Ukraine has registered over 80,000 cases of war crimes allegedly committed by Russian forces. Members of the Atrocity Crimes Advisory Group for Ukraine, formed in May of 2022, met this week in Warsaw to coordinate the way forward. VOA's Eastern Europe Bureau Chief Miroslava Gungadze has more. Russian attacks against civilians in Ukraine, including systematic torture and killing in occupied regions, amount to war crimes and possibly crimes against humanity, said U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. In his virtual address to the Atrocity Crimes Advisory Group meeting in Warsaw on Thursday, Blinken said crimes committed by Russian forces in Ukraine intended to steal Ukraine's very future. These acts are part of the Kremlin's widespread and systematic attack against Ukrainian civilians. They constitute crimes against humanity, and they are still being committed today. The United States is committed to pursuing accountability for Russia's atrocities, including war crimes. Last year, the United States, European Union and United Kingdom created the advisory group to support Kyiv's effort to document, preserve and analyze evidence of war crimes and other atrocities committed in Ukraine for future criminal prosecutions. British Foreign Secretary James Cleverly said Russian crimes in Ukraine can be ignored. It's clear that the scale of the accountability challenge is huge and responding requires a coordinated international approach on several fronts. In addition to resources and advice for Ukrainian prosecutors, the advisory group agreed on creating the International Center for Prosecution of the Crime of Aggression in The Hague. Beth Van Schaak, a U.S. State Department ambassador at large for global criminal justice, told VOA that this is a first step to international prosecution for the Russian war of aggression. This institution will be launched at the end of this month and into next month with a series of events bringing together the the experts who will be working side by side with their Ukrainian counterparts in order to lay the groundwork for the application of individual criminal responsibility for the crime of aggression committed in Ukraine. Russia has previously denied targeting civilians and it has not responded to allegations its forces committed atrocities or tortured Ukrainians, including to a recent request by a UN-backed Human Rights Council commission. Since fall of 2022, the idea to create a special tribunal to investigate Russian war crimes has been gaining ground, with 37 countries now supporting the effort, including the United States. Ukraine's Prosecutor General Andriy Kostin told VOA. Everyone understands that there is a gap in the international system of accountability, that the ICC have jurisdiction, but not in our case that Security Council will never refer this case to the ICC while Russia is the member of the Security Council. That's why uh, our idea was to create a new mechanism, which is actually based on very um, different, um, I would say, uh, practice of previous tribunals starting from Nuremberg. Russia's war against Ukraine has affected countries around the world, Kostin adds. The world should understand that this is a global war. And creating a special tribunal is not only to punish the crime of aggression in, uh, against Ukraine, but also to create a mechanism to deter any future aggression. 
Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, in a rare trip outside the country earlier this month, sought support at The Hague for a special court to try suspected Russian war crimes. Morislava Gungadze, VOA News, Warsaw, Poland. When Russia invaded Ukraine over a year ago, European officials quickly set out to punish Moscow by freezing any Russian assets held outside the country. Now the question is what, if anything, can be done with these billions of dollars? Valentino Vasileva has the story, narrated for us by Anna Rice. According to European Union officials, at least $24 billion worth of Russian oligarchs' private assets held in the EU have been frozen since the start of the war. Now the EU is looking for legal ways to use those reserves to help fund Ukraine's reconstruction. Figures are usually slightly increasing. Um, sometimes you can see also small decreases because sometimes uh, people, uh, sometimes assets also have to be liberated if there was maybe some mistake made or something. But in general, we see a steady increase since uh, last year when this operation started. Individual countries like Estonia are looking into using their own laws to pass the frozen Russian assets to Ukraine. But the EU has laws that allow the seizure of private individuals and entities' frozen assets if a court has determined they have been obtained by illegal means, which usually requires a criminal conviction, though the bloc is trying to update those laws. The Commission has uh, brought forward a proposal to criminalize uh, the evasion of sanctions, so meaning that if somebody tries in the future to uh, circumvent sanctions or to move funds, maybe give them to a relative, things like that, um, then this would be a criminal offense in all of the EU, and this would then enable the authorities uh, to confiscate such assets. But changing legislation is a slow process. The legislation needs to be submitted by the European Commission and approved by both the European Parliament and the European Council which means the law probably won't be passed until at least this fall. Another question is what to do with Russian frozen state assets. According to the EU, about two-thirds of the $300 billion of Russian central bank reserves frozen in G7 countries, the EU and Australia, are currently held in the European bloc. In February, Sweden's prime minister said that in principle, it would be fair to use these assets to help fund Ukraine's reconstruction. Sweden holds the presidency of the EU Council through June. But there are concerns that using the assets to rebuild Ukraine could create a dangerous precedent. Alena Pavlenka is president of Dixie Group, a Ukrainian think tank. At the international level, every country are afraid that the same might happen with, uh, with uh, its money. Again, uh, the, the solution here is, exists, and the solution is uh, the creation of special tribunal, which will work in the EU, and this tribunal, actually, and its decision, uh, which, of course, it's not the case for every country, this is the case for this particular war, will be a possibility or the argument uh, for the national countries to seize sovereign Russian money. And while there is no such tribunal yet, 
The EU is looking at ways to invest frozen Russian state assets to help Ukraine. One potential proposal is channeling any interest generated by the frozen assets to Ukraine. For Valentina Vasilyeva in Brussels, Belgium, NRI's VOA News. And that'll do it for us today. Stay up to date with continuing coverage on Ukraine and news from around the world 24 hours a day. Visit us online at voanews.com and on social media be sure to follow VOA News. On behalf of the entire Flashpoint Ukraine team, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Karish. This is the voice of America. Washington, bam, 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 zip. D.C.